Welcome to the Cybersecurity and Cloud Podcast, where we hear the stories of information security professionals. This podcast explores different angles, out-of-the-box ideas, and the human element of cybersecurity. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and supporting us at www.patreon.com forward slash CSCP so we can continue to bring on amazing guests. You can watch videos of the interviews at www.cybercloudpodcast.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. This is your host, Francesco. We have the pleasure to talk with John Kinsella today. He is one of the person that I admire the most because he's a fellow entrepreneur, he's a fellow podcaster. He spent probably a little bit of time in Silicon Valley with a startup that got bought by Qualys and he had all the time to spend with the engineering department. So because of that, we explore a lot of areas around startup, application security, engineering. I apologize if the podcast went a little bit longer than expected, but the topic was so amazing that I decided to leave in uh, all the conversation. So I hope you enjoy and I hope you bear with us <laughs> when we round about application security. We both quite started, guys. So enjoy this amazing conversation and take away whatever you can from application security and stay with us. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Cybersecurity and Cloud Podcast. Today, we have a massive honor to have John from Application Security Weekly with us. And John, can you introduce yourself, what you've been doing? How many podcasts have you done till now? <laughs> hey, it's, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, yeah, uh, we were joking right before we started recording. Uh, I think ASW, um, and I'm, I'm not here to talk about Security Weekly, but I'm happy to talk about them and the experience. But um, uh, Application Security Weekly is um, obviously the application security podcast on Security Weekly Network. Um, I think they're totaled, you had the number 109 podcasts. We've, I've only been there like the last year, year and a half, I think about 20, 25 or so, but still a pretty good number. Um, there was some great guys before us, probably be some great folks after us, but who am I? Um, been in the industry about God, 20 years. Uh, I've done software development. Um, I've done operations. I started as operations, started as like a Unix admin. Um, I've come through, you know, first time you see someone hack your box, uh, back in the nineties that caught my interest has been a cat mouse game since then. <laughs> uh, so that's, you know, security has always been in me. Um, I, I was talking with a, a friend, you know, we're, we're recording this this week in uh, June with, a in, in the U S we have the, the, um, Racial protests going on um, yes. about racial inequality. So um, a lot of conversations happening everywhere about this type of thing. But there's a lot of cops in my family uh, in the U.S. Um, so I think the security thing, if someone goes and does a little bit of um, uh, uh, research, I think there might be something in the blood about it. Um, <laughs> that's the way I think of it. Uh, um, I'll try and Blue stay away team from or red team? <laughs> blue team or red team? I've blue done blood. Blue. Um, <laughs> You know, I was a joke I, on blue blood and red blood. I, oh, gotcha. Nice. Well done. Um, I'm, I'm a white hat guy now. You know, it's been a very long time since I've done anything um, outside of that realm. Uh, jail sucks. So um, I no interest in going down that path. So I won't say I'm blue, blue or, or red. I'll just say I'm, I'm white hat. Um, but yeah, so uh, got involved in... Um, had this background between software development operations, um, the security stuff, the cloud thing started coming along, um, you know, what mid two thousands. And I looked at all these type of things and I'm like, I've got that part, that part, that part, let's get involved. So I got involved in cloud security Alliance, um, <laughs> made an attempt at starting my own secure cloud provider, trying to compete against Amazon. We don't always do the right things, you know, the first time here. Um, but still that was an interesting experience. Um, and, and that was, I think that was the first serious startup I had done. No, I'd done one before. Um, and so I've gone through a few of these startup type things. I realized I really like building things. Um, I like working with my hands. I like educating. I like learning. Um, I like finding weaknesses and, and I tend to be a bit of a contrarian. Um, I'm a button pusher. Um, I can be horrible in meetings where like, if I find someone is a little bit weak on a subject, I'll just start pushing their button just to see the reaction I can get. Uh, try not to do You're that on a podcast. Person in the room. Yeah. <laughs> You're I'm person that in the room. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, so you know, nowadays it's it's uh, last most recently for those who don't know, as co-founder of a company called Layered Insights, uh, we were doing uh, um, all I created. I, I can actually say a, a container security product um, where we were doing runtime security from within a container image. Um, we did that for a few years. We had some great customers. We were acquired by Qualys in twenty eighteen. Um, I was their VP of engineering for container security, ran an international team. Um, and then uh, a few months ago, we decided to leave Silicon Valley and move up here to the Pacific Northwest in Seattle. So uh, um, I resigned from that position. And now I'm, I'm you know, uh, um, that's who I was. And now I'm trying to figure out what I want to do next. So that's a bit about me. Great experience and, and great variety. And, and I think I always see in running startup and uh, trying to create something as a mini MBA. So there is people that pay for an MBA and people that just try to create. And effectively, it's, I, I kind of see that as the same thing. Yeah, I'm one of those dropouts. Um, I went to University of California, Davis. Uh, after being there for a few years, uh, this super interesting um graduate research group called the Institute of Theoretical Dynamics. I used to always joke, don't ask me where I worked when I was uh, out at the bar because like, you just don't pronounce that name. But um, <laughs> uh, they offered me a gig where um, I'd be running. Um, I actually built the first Beowulf at UC Davos. So this is back in, what, 98, built the first grid computer system there. So I've been doing this cloud type thing for a while, I guess. Um, it wasn't but, called cloud. It just yeah, wasn't called Beowulf. cloud. Yeah, so um, <laughs> totally blew my mind. I, I walked into my boss's or emailed my boss this article from um, uh, the national one national labs in somewhere else in the US had, had built this sort of cool thing out of cheap alphas. And I, I forwarded to my boss with the subject of all I want for Christmas, dot, dot, dot. He's like, that sounds like a great idea. And next thing you know, I've got this multi-million dollar budget to build a, um, this, this <laughs> cluster. But um, what was super cool about it uh, was I was um, working the compute side for um, you know, a combination of, uh, it was a multidisciplinary NSF grant, so National Science Foundation grant in the U.S. Um, I was working with on here physicists, biologists, computer scientists, um, mathematicians. Uh, I usually forget one, but like five different areas of science. I, I know all five. I know many areas of science. I know the best areas of science. But um, I will try to stay out of politics. Uh, but so, I, you know, I, I got the offer of do I want to pay the university to go to class or the university can pay me to do the super cool stuff? That wasn't that hard a decision. Um, I've, I've pondered <laughs> once or twice since then. Do I want to go back and get my CS degree or maybe an MBA or something? Um, so many better things I can do in my time now. And yeah, I, I think there, there's definitely a lot of things you learn at school, right? Um, I, I don't want to totally downtrod that. Um, and I'm reminded of that occasionally if I ever step into an interview and someone asks me a you know a, a O notation type question. Um, I'm like, oh yeah, that stupid thing that I Google every time. It's not stupid, but that's that's you know, you could go to school and learn that, or I could go out into the real world and actually practice some of these things. So that was a route I took. I'm pretty happy with it. Um, I, I do bump into a ceiling occasionally, but yeah. I think it's it's book smart versus street smart, and, yeah. and a good combination of the two. And, and in cybersecurity or information security, you call it. Everybody calls it in a different way. Um, I like I like the word cyber. It moves too quickly. Particularly, right? Some of the foundations yeah. of, of InfoSec is what I'll call InfoSec, AppSec. Some of the foundations are there, but, mm -hmm. you know, a, the, the actual real world is moving so fast that it's it's hard for me to keep up, not alone. Um, so, yeah. You have to continu continuously update and upgrade yourself and read snippets of information mm -hmm. and uh, gather information from people. Having conversation, I find, and then running the podcast is for me the best source of information because you can't have this kind of conversation and kind mm -hmm. of learn from your piece yeah. and that's conference and, and stuff like that. So it's not always book, but from, from a book perspective, I, I found the foundation really good. So if you start with a good foundation, I see in that you can construct better, but it doesn't matter that you can get it from school or you can get it from books. I think you have to have, so people go into um, InfoSec for two reasons, um, either for the money Mm -hmm. or because they've got a passion about it, I think, or some sort of an interest. And I think with most things in life, particularly this, because I mean, we're, we're so lucky, think about it. Everything we're doing is on this stupid keyboard, or most of what we're doing, unless you're doing on-site pen tests. Um, oh, so you're able, pen test. Yeah, you're able to, to learn, you're able to practice, you're able to do all these different types of things. 
Um, and if you have the sophistication, you can do it in like a virtual machine or something without damaging your own equipment. So mm-hmm. we're in this area where if you have um, an interest and a drive, you can learn it. Um, so sometimes, and don't get me wrong, even for me, I'll, you know, I have all these wonderful things around me. Um, even for me, sometimes it would be like, uh, I just want to, can it just work? No, you have to put the time in. So it's, <laughs> it's definitely one of those type of things where, you know, I spent, um, it's definitely one of those type of things where, uh, the effort you put into it gets rewarded. I was, um, I found a bug in a, I'm trying, I'm, I'm working on a blog post right now to, um, allow you to do hybrid burst computing from Kubernetes at your house into Azure. Um, like everyone's been talking about uh, um, hybrid computing for the last few years. Who's actually doing it at home? No one, as far as I can tell. So I'm like, how, how do I get yeah. this thing to work? And it's it's been sort of a long process, but um, I'm now I'm at the stage where I'm trying to automate it because I'm really about usability and ease of use. So if I put a blog post out there or something, I want people to be able to easily reproduce or run it or, or you know not do the, the five hours of head scratching of how do you get Ansible installed? Um, and in the process, I was using a Ansible module for OpenVPN because you need a VPN mm-hmm. into, into uh, um, Azure. And there was a bug in their script. And just for me to go and track that down, I was learning a little bit about Ansible. And I've used Ansible before, but their format was um, just a dash in the wrong place. And that dash, it turned out, was for um, removing white space before a line. But just figuring out how do you Google for a damn dash, right? So the process of how you actually go about tracking some of this stuff down, it, it seems simple, but still that's a learning thing. And um, yeah, yeah. So. And I'm dropping things and understanding how things work and yeah. then looking beneath the, I don't know. Uh, it's sometimes it's hard because sometimes it's like so many, inform- I mean, so many possibilities, but also so many information. So I mentor a lot of people and they get lost. So where do I start? Yeah. Where did you start in cyber? Oh, you're, you're asking them that or you're asking me? You're asking you, John. Oh, oh this is like an interview or something. <laughs> um. <laughs> Tell me, what do you, where do you see yourself in part of it? No, it's, it's like, it's, it's a common question that I ask more or less everybody is, where did you start and how did you build that, the knowledge that, that took you where, where you are today? Yeah, um, and I've, I've been listening to your, you know, it's before I hop on a, a podcast or have guests online, I try to do a bit of background. Um, so I've listened to a few years and I've heard about your your guys' um, uh, Mentoring Mondays and some of the other podcasts you've done with some really interesting folks, really great folks. I'm honored to be here. Um, <laughs> seriously. But uh, uh, how did I start? I, was, I wasn't joking when I said before. Um, I was literally, I was working for the um, California, state of California, Department of Water Resources. Um this was 97, right before I went to UC Davis. And I saw someone, a strange process on one of my boxes, Unix, as a Unix admin. What the hell is that? And um, started poking around. And I'd done, you know, as we were talking about, I'm white hat now. I'd done some other things previously, but that was more sort of, you know, a punk ass kid. But when you actually see someone on your box, and like it, it's uh, for those out there who, you know, it might be a little, more solid, concrete example for some folks. If you've ever had someone break into your car or break into your house, right? When you feel violated, when someone's in my thing, that's very powerful. Um, and that, you know, that was the beginning of, okay, okay, how, how do I get this person out? Who are they? Where did they come from? That was sort of cool. How can I do that? Um, and like all that type of thing starts. So that was really the beginning of it. Um, when I was at, you know, a place I was talking about before ITD, uh, security even back then at a research group in the 90s was a big thing of mine. Um, you know, so, you know that was, used to be a place where if you wanted to build up your computer, like, you know, now we got bots, but back then if you want to build up your shell accounts and stuff, you'd go out to academics and you'd just break into the into those school systems, university systems, because they're, it's always underneath the grad student's desk. He's not admitting it, right? He just wants to do his research. So no one's securing the box. Um, point being for the... Two or three years I was there, we had no compromises because that was uh, me and uh, the guy who was working with me, Travis. Um, that was a core uh, thing which we really focused on was how do we do updates back then? How do you do automation? How do you do a lot of these things? So, yeah, it's been on my blood for a while. Um, I've done, you know, I've done penetration testing. I've done secure code review. That was really interesting, and I think that was the beginning of my AppSec stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I've done consulting, I've done training, um, I've done the speaking thing, I've done the startup thing. So it's I'm fairly well rounded now. I'm I'm fairly well rounded, and now I'm doing the the advising startups and the mentoring thing, and sometimes the investing thing. Um, when I'm really excited about something, so I'm I'm trying to help others. I'm at that point, right? Yeah. Um, a few gray hairs. Um, I'm not done yet. Yeah. So how can I help people? How can I? The phrase I like to use is how can I help people not make the same mistakes I made, right? And I started the mentoring Monday for that specific reason. I always wanted a mentor and I did a message from our sponsor and then we return back. This podcast is brought to you by the generosity of NSC42 Limited, your cybersecurity partner. Cybersecurity is complex and different for every organization, and you need the best tailored service to make sure your customer's data is safe and sound so you can focus on what's important, focusing on your clients and bringing the best and safest experience. NSC42 Limited can help you during your cloud transformation, cybersecurity assessment for your compliance checklist on premise and on the cloud. Want to know more? Visit www.nsc42.co.uk to get your free quote. I started in cyber. I had maybe a direction because one of my professors said that this is a really cool topic, research on it, and I got into a rabbit hole. So I got into uh, cloud computing before it was cool. So I was nice. one of the developer on KVM. So oh, I was cool. doing virtualization. I was like punching literally processes just to memory. Memory lock wasn't a thing. <laughs> and pipe between the host and the VM wasn't a thing. So I created like, I was locking a CPU as a semaphore. <laughs> it nice. was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. But I went down into a rabbit hole of a research that lasted a year. But it was absolutely amazing because mm. you start unwrapping things. And you see things how they work at Babel. And it's it at least for me, and I, I think it's I think it, it, it comes down like I was saying, you know, um, about follow your interests. Um, and for the folks who just come into this for money, that's cool. You're going to make plenty of it. Um, your heart's probably going to be somewhere else, but mm-hmm. whatever. Um, I guess I don't. I have don't think you can do this job for money, just only for money, because it requires a lot of dedication. So I've seen the best best people that I know that I've interviewed are the one passionate about, but not passionate about cybersecurity, but passionate about curious. I've seen a lot of people that are curious. They want one wrap thing to see what's underneath and then they find something for chance. And that's that's how bug bounty works. Like let's try to let's try to poke at this thing in so many ways to see actually exactly. how it works. That's just what I was just going to say. So I think in a way, if I had to think about myself, while security is a passion of mine, the other passion is human psychology. Mm. Um, you know, when I was doing training sessions, I used to always, I was doing AppSec training for developers, how to not do SQL injection. Um, I used to always start those off with, I wanted training to teach like a, to think like a hacker. And you'd see the manager in the back of the room who was listening for the first five minutes going, oh, no, what's he <laughs> oh, doing? No. Um, but, They're going to break all my stuff. Yeah, but but really that's, you know, when I'm going walking down the street, if I see like a um, freak, it drives my wife nuts. If I see like a, a, a door with a lock, I'll jiggle it to see if it's loose. Or if I see like a padlock on something, I'll sort of eyeball and go, can I pick that? Um, and I'm, I'm not picking it, but I'm going, okay, have I done that one before? Can I recognize it? That type of thing. And yeah, so um, lock sport is really interesting to me. Um, human psychology is interesting to me. Uh, um, uh, what's the field? Um, social engineering. Thank you. Is super engineering. Um, back in my club days, I used to see how often could I just blow straight by the bouncer and go into the club without paying. Um, so like a lot of these type of things are it's, I'm, I am that button pusher type. So I think Mm -hmm. probably a little bit more extreme than some folks, but yeah, if if you have a passion in it, um, that, that, that's going to really make this a lot easier yeah i mean there are tons of jobs in cyber so we need to fill all of them but i think the one that really excel is the one that dedicate night and day to these arts and interact with people because it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of dedication and sacrifice of your personal life so unless you're passionate about it you're never going to sacrifice so much even doing podcasting it's you know you know it as well i mean you probably have a a, an editing crew we're not at that stage yet so yeah we're i'm sort (laughs) of lucky so so for folks who um are listening it the, you're getting a treat this stuff is really difficult so there, there's two things we have um in common the other one you were talking i think with jim uh, mancuso about um 
running OWASP or running chapters, right? Yes. There's a lot Calls of work which lines. happens behind these things. How do you get that guest? Um, what are you going to talk about? Um, how are you going to record this stupid thing? Are you going to edit it? Um, you know, in, in Security Weekly's case, they don't just have in, uh, engineers. They have salespeople getting ads and like bringing in. There's like, mm. That's a business. It's a case. company. Yeah, yeah, it's a business. Um, but yeah, I, I thought... You guys had some really great points on there. I think you, you were talking about this also with uh, um, Vandana um, yeah. about how do you start a meetup or how do you how do you get people? It's it's another form of interested, right? And like if there's some if there's someone out there who is interested in security, how, let's start combining things, right? Because one of the things I like doing is not talking to other security people. I like talking about security to anybody. But we know what we're doing, right? We know <laughs> SQL injection is bad. Um, we know you know, whatever else, TPM is something we should be working on. I've got like a, this TPM module on my desk. For, um, <laughs> I'm, this goes into a, a Raspberry Pi. I don't know. can't quite focus on it. There we go. Yeah, um, no, I, it, it's, I didn't know that they made, I was, I was playing with the Raspberry Pi, the three and the four to actually make it like a, a very nice drop-in module with Kali embedded and like a small monitor and, and tinkering with that. Yeah, so. <laughs> IoT is, um, I don't want to sidetrack myself too much, but um, IoT has been a passion of mine for the last few years, home automation, um, microcontrollers, and I've been getting into security of IoT for about a year, and I'm working on uh, some blog posts and um, some talks for later in the year around um, sort of state of the art of how do you do trusted compute on a microcontroller? Um, yeah, I'm unemployed, but apparently I'm super busy. I don't understand. <laughs> but uh, that happens all the time because yeah. if you're passionate about, you yeah, get into right. this rabbit yeah. hole, yeah. and you just say, "How am I? Why am I more busy than when I am working?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, and I'm happily unemployed, by the way. But um, I'm I'm lucky, right? Uh, but let's see. How did we got from TPM from something else? Um, but yeah, the the, the point being, um, there, there's so much to be passionate about and, and to be able to work with here. Um, it's, and it's continuous. So I, I was I was just discovering today. I was listening to the Darknet Diary, and I dis and I discovered um, psychological ops, psyops. Yeah, it's like another field of OSINT or or threat or so. It's kind of social engineering, mm -hmm. but it's amazing. You keep on discovering stuff that it's like I, I was researching half of the day. I found myself going in that rabbit hole and say. I need to learn everything about this. Yeah. And I think that's, that's yeah. kind of our the, obsession. The, the rabbit hole of, um, there's so many rabbit holes in this space, right? Especially now with, we're locked up at home and um, with between the Googles and the YouTubes and the, um, I, I'm not sure if there's a really big InfoSec presence on TikTok, but, you know, maybe. Um, but it started way, growing. It started oh, really? growing on Instagram. I see... Um, I see Jim Jim post uh, here and there, but oh, yeah. it, it's mostly personal stuff. Yeah, uh, Twitter is is probably the platform of choice for yeah. for infosec. Yeah, but you know, um, point being, it, it, all it just takes is one person to re whatever something repost, reshare. I'll say, and you know, there goes my day of working on my Ansible stuff. Like, ooh, reverse engineering <laughs> something on our arm, <laughs> and you know, yeah, shiny exactly. But that, yeah, that's, that's again, you know, it's, I, we keep we're, we keep circling back. But I think that's sort of the interesting thing here for for those, um, I don't want to say younger, but newer in infosec. Um, that mentoring comes around. Uh, you know, it's I've I've mentored keeping folks, the focus. Yeah, I've mentored folks. I've mentored folks both at work. Super humbling when someone from a completely different department comes over and says, "Hey, can you help me?" But um, either that or just out in the wild. Um, but if that person, if I don't sense a passion when I first start talking or working with that person, I can't help them. Right. Mm. Um, you can't grow passion. You can't grow commitment as well. Yeah. And I think you guys covered a little bit of one of your podcasts. Um, the idea of there's a difference between teaching versus mentoring and it's yeah. a little subtle. I guess you could say more professing or, um, structural formal teaching where someone's in the front of a room and, you know, giving you assignments versus I prefer to, and it's the same way I, I, I do classes too. I want to sort of drop breadcrumbs out there. I like people to sort of, I want to show them a little bit and then get them to have that aha moment. Cause I think yeah. if they're able to have that, then 
they're able to feed off it themselves instead of just listening to me. So and it's so rewarding when you see people with their eyes with their eyeball yeah. <laughs> shining instead of just drop feeding information and, and people getting passive. So but, I've seen exactly the opposite reaction. <laughs> when you feed the information, it's like people start slowly down. You see yeah. you see the life disappearing from their yeah. eyes. Yeah, well yeah. if you feed them crumbs, yeah. you see that the lights appearing in their eyes. I think that's that's probably the most most visual thing. Like yeah. You know, I'll, um, you, you gave me two things there. Let's see if I can keep focus on both of them because it's sort of interesting. Um, first around uh, – oh, I'm going to lose them. Um, usually I take notes. Uh, so I got the second one. That's pretty easy. The first one, we're talking about um, too IoT. much information. Hmm? IoT. Did you yeah, get no, just, just too much information, last keeping the focus? Uh, we went to talking about Shiny and um, education – I'll go to a second one. The first one will come back to me. But the second one being, uh, don't lose both of them, John. Um, <laughs> I, I need blinders. I need to be like just like this. That uh, is, it, it, it's so difficult. I don't know about you, but during the, this lockdown, I find myself even maintaining focus is, is much more difficult because you have more time, but you have a lot more distraction than you usually do. Now I am taking notes. Um, and... Um, that, that, that's, that's out of respect, right? I, I think these are all really great topics. Um, in lockdown, we are um, doing this. But, you know, one of the things I'm, I'm working on nowadays is uh, it's gotten to the point that it, it's actually detrimental to me, this, you know, shiny object thing. I've started uh, um, uh, doing meditation every day. Mm -hmm. Like, how can I – I need to learn to bring myself back into focus. And I think um, back in when I was in San Francisco – if this would happen when I was doing a startup, I'd go out to a coffee shop, right? Because part of the problem is like everything you see around me and they're all super interesting, cool things. But um, if you try to do all of them at once, uh, I think we've seen pretty well over the last, what, decade of scientific research that no, you can't multitask even though you think you can. Yeah. No, you can't. Um, it's, you, you can't. We but, men, we can't. We need to admit that we can't. Especially <laughs> men, yeah. Uh, but in general, everyone. Um, but yeah, men are worse at it, I know. Um but so back to the too much information, I was going to make a joke around vulnerability scanning because, you know, um, you, you talked about the eyes rolling back in the head when you teach a student. It's, it's sort of similar to if you go in either as uh, the InfoSec analyst or as a consultant, there's more in my hat usually, and, and give someone the 100-page report. They're like, what the hell do I do with this, right? And it's, again, and like – And inside. Yeah. <laughs> and you guys were talking about this on the podcast again recently. But, and it's one of the areas – what one of the areas I am thinking about right now and, and a few of these areas you hear me talking about, I'm, I'm working, what I'm really working on doing is how can I focus them down into, um, I don't want to necessarily say a startup, but a project. So I said, I'm really about ease of use and usability. Um, I'm about making things simple and understandable. Mm -hmm. And uh, I can't remember which one it was on, but you had, um, last season you had a guest on and you're talking about, it was a university where you'd given them the results of a Vuln scan or they had just scanned something and they're like, what do we do now? And um, this is like, you know, drop feet. Yeah, it, this is something which is, this isn't a new question in InfoSec. You know, I, I was asking that question three or four stars no, it's back. Prioritization. It's prioritization since the very beginning. It's like we're patching. You, you mentioned patching and you mentioned the server and how do we patch? So which server do we patch first? Which things do we prioritize? It's, it's like even, it, it's like my daily behavior. It's like I wake up in the morning, I do meditation and then I do journey and then I do power one. So what is the one thing I want to achieve? And that's what I, for example, in the latest application security program that I started, I said, which are the one thing that you want to fix this way? Just focus on one thing and fix one vulnerability per week. But that's and focus on that. That's still a, um, I'll say a practitioner point of view. And where I'm trying to get to is, um, you know, it's like Jim was saying, like, this stuff is so complicated. We've got to do blood, sweat, and tears and, um, uh, you know, put we our soul into that. this. I think we can. I think we have to. Um, and I think that's sort of where the jump into something interesting is for me. It's like, um, and we're starting to see this with uh, some of the younger startups, right? So Deep Source is um, one I've both invested in and, and uh, advised. And they start off as doing static analysis, not for security, but for um, just Python for like machine learning and stuff. How can we improve mm -hmm. performance? And then they realized they had an aha moment when they were at uh, Y Combinator this year. Why don't we take that, you know, start with 10 or 20 or 30 of these things and 
don't just tell someone there's a problem, but let's send them a pull request that fixes it. So just because I know there's a software, a security vulnerability in, I don't know, uh, I'm trying to not pick on anybody. I don't know, an electric screwdriver. Um, just because I know there's a security vulnerability in that, do I expect everyone out there to go and patch this and know how to patch this and deal with it? Why don't I make that so either I need to either be able they, they need to either be able to easily understand what's going on or to have that security fix be applied in a, in a manageable, easy way? Or how can I make that overall process easier? Um, you know, you're and, and you, t- you touch more or less on two or three things that I think on key areas that this process, the people part, and I touch a lot on the prioritization of which one will actually be broken first. Mm-hmm. So that's that's one thing, but I always see them progressively. So as, as you say, you teach people and you say you give them the 100-page report or you give them the lay of the line and say, this is this is all your application and this is the one vulnerable and you see them completely pushing back and you yeah. say, this is the one thing that you need to fix. So this is the one thing that will lead to a compromise. So out of these all 100, if you see at least one, or if you see at least this one, and then you increase. Mm-hmm. Hey, Francesco here. A very quick message from our sponsor and then we return back. This podcast is brought to you by the generosity of NSC42 Limited, your cybersecurity partner. Cybersecurity is complex and different for every organization, and you need the best tailored service to make sure your customer's data is safe and sound so you can focus on what's important, focusing on your clients and bringing the best and safest experience. NSC42 Limited can help you during your cloud transformation, cybersecurity assessment for your compliance checklist on-premise and on the cloud. Want to know more? Visit www.nsc42.co.uk to get your free quote. There was, um, as, I, as we're talking, I just remembered an example from, God, man, this <clears throat> podcast from probably close to 10 years ago. I can't remember who it was. It was one of the earlier security podcasters, but they were talking about... Um, I think it was um, offen- not offensive security. Anyways, um, but they were talking about when they would walk into a CXO's office with the penetration test results and get that same type of thing. So what they figured out was if they queued up Metasploit and configured everything right where you know um, your payload was loaded, your host was loaded, everything was ready to go, and they'd walk into the C- to CXO's office and say, click here, and they'd click, and then it'd go, you just compromised the system. Suddenly, very both. Oh my god, it's so simple. I can do it, but also it's understandable of why it's a problem, why it needs to be fixed. So it's it's helping prioritization, but also it's you know. So the next step there was if you click the second button, you'd fix it, right? So that that's um, I'm trying to think about how do you. We're always going to need priority. We're always going to need education. All these type of things. There's because there's always you know a new electric toothbrush with Bluetooth coming out. <laughs> um, the list of things around my house that need firmware updates is sort of scary. Uh, but the um, that's sort of, that's what I'm thinking about. How can I, maybe not so much home, because honestly, there's not very much money in, in consumer security. But um, how can, from an enterprise point of view, we know we're going to have to bring in more people. We, we can't hire people quick enough or educate them. What's a stat I keep quoting recently? Microsoft is spending a billion dollars a year on application security. Jesus Christ. Um, but, application security is the new cool kid on the blog. So yeah, everybody is kind but, of focusing on that. But you literally can't – anyone listening to this is interested. I mean you're, 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 the, the positive note I know you want at the end is, is we're, we're safe with our job for, for life. Um, yes. <laughs> but at the same time – You can't use that one. Oh, damn it, man. Okay, we'll have to come up with that. You just burn it. Uh, but uh, they uh, – we have to – I want to make a lot – a lot of this can be made easier. Um, right. And, you know, it's, it's, I'll, I'll go at a completely different angle, angle for a second. Um, cause I think this is interesting. And, and one of the things I'm trying to do, um, in my downtime here for the last few months, I've been uh, happily unemployed since what, March. So five months, no, four months, man, I can't believe it's June. But one of the things I've always had a passion for is electronic music. Um, you know, like I mentioned dance clubs before, um, I was just a tiny bit shy of, of the, the rave scene. Um, or I wasn't shy of it, but I was just wasn't in areas where raves were happening. But um, so one of the things I'm doing in my downtime now is is getting back into um, electronic music production. 
Oh, jeez. Um, it so, seems like a common team. Yeah. So for, for those who are on the podcast, not on seeing the video, I just held up a, um, an Ableton Push 2. And, and this is a pretty incredible piece of kit, which I acquired recently and I'm learning how to use. Um, but the reason it excited me comes back to sort of what we're talking about or what I'm talking about. Um, so to describe this thing, it's got 64 touchpads that are touch sensitive mm -hmm. that you can drum on. It's got a high resolution um, LED display that's able to allow you to both surf through your, your music collection, find your samples and show waveforms and light edit them. We've got what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, about 12 uh, knobs at the top, which are both touch sensitive to touch, as well as their digital encoders. So you can spin them back and forth and they have no zero point on uh, a bunch of buttons and side sliders, other things. So this is like, um, it's, it's really, it's super, it's super complicated, right? And there's all these, I'm, I'm trying to use Where do my, you start? Hmm? Where do you start? Where do you start? So that's one thing. And that's, oh, that's a really great, we can go down that path too, um, education. Um, but what's, um, why was I attracted to the stupid thing, right? You can start doing electronic music online without having any, without having any gadgets. You can play it with Ableton, see what you want to do. Um, you can do it for free with uh, um, stuff like Audacity, right? An open source world. Um, why was this stupid piece of hardware so attractive to me? Um, there's something to me about all these little knobs that I can adjust and play with and see things happen and colors change that there's some part of my brain goes, oh my God, that's sort of amazing. So the psychology aspect of me, I've been back and try to think about. And anything I play with right now, between any of my startups, but again, right now I'm trying to figure out how does this relate back to InfoSec? How does this relate to um, tech or engineering or stuff I want to go to? Can I take a use, is, is there something, the magic which I saw in the, um, um, in the user interface for this, and for those, again, for folks out there interested, go Google um, Ableton Push on YouTube or go search on YouTube for Ableton Push and just see what some people are able to do with this thing. It's sort of amazing. Um, but why don't we have cooler interfaces like that in enterprise software or in information security? Um, I think... I, I love what you just said because UX and nice and polished UX are always frowned upon in information security. If you don't have a cool dark console and an API and the code runs in absolutely bare bone, you're not an engineer. That's the common thing. So I think it's, it's the UX guys that I admire a lot mm -hmm. because it's a completely different science. And anybody that just handle visual, especially in cyber, because I think in cyber is even more fundamental. I just demised in our field. They just frown upon. It's like, the, let's, let's go back to the important things and fixing code and doing this stuff, but visualizing the number of vulnerability, for example, going, uh, revolving back in, in, in cyber has helped me uh, effectively uh, getting the backing from from the sea level and anybody that is not an expert we can't in cyber expect that anybody is, is not an expert and how do we communicate with the board and how we communicate with the rest of the organization mm -hmm. how, how do i communicate budget and and other stuff with the cfo if i don't have nice dashboard and nice graph mm -hmm. right they talk with that we need to speak their language and they need to oh we can't pretend that they speak our language. I, I'm going to respond to that and, and veer back onto my my my, uh, my tirade. <laughs> Sorry, um, no, 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 because these are going to tie back in, and it, it's you're, you're spot on actually what you're saying. Um, and uh, I'm going to go negative for a second. Um, I'm, I'm known for my snark, and I actually minimize what folks see in public. My amount of snark. Um, <laughs> well, here's all about freedom. There, there's people who want me to have like a separate fake Twitter channel and just like just snark out, and I'm like, it's not worth the effort. Um, Hey everyone, a massive thank for being still here. We are almost 40 minutes inside the podcast and I'd like to thank you for listening and spending more than 30 minutes listening to a podcast. We do this podcast because we absolutely love the conversation and we love sharing information about application security, engineering and so on and so forth with everybody. But... I'd like to, again, thank you for spending the time. I mean, 40 minutes is a long time to spend. So massive thanks and stay with us because we are about to reveal 
a lot of nice insight about application security, application security weekly, and our life as application security engineers or experts or security experts. So stay with us and thank you again for supporting us and being with us. But so one of the thoughts in my head over the last few weeks, and my friends are saying, no, it's stupid, but it's not, um, was I was thinking about putting a new project out on GitHub, which would give you um, the UI template for a security startup. Um, so it would be a bootstrap UI, so you'd have that menu down to the left. It would have two or three graphs at the top and center. Um, it would have you know, your colors for red for something that's critical, blue and green. And like it, it, was, it was meant to be a snark project, right? So all these same things you see in every other um, security package out there. And then the second one I wanted to do was the template for the security startup website. And it would have like the key phrases in there, defend, protect. Um, and it would have like little variables. So you could just put your words in there and put your logos in. And it, yeah, it's, it, it's funny, right? At the same time, super negative. Um, but to go it's back- It's actually not too far away because Tanya did the same with her uh, with her OPSEC um, pack. She said, anybody can deliver this thing and modify it. So it's, it, the, the big, yeah. uh, the big, um, uh, talk that she does about AppSec, you know, uh, start your bootstrap your application security program. It's open source. Yeah. And I think you, you have something in there. You have something in there because at least we have consistency. Yeah. So, um, and cons- bingo, you're going right where I want you to go. I'm, I'm leading the horse water. Um, so, <laughs> one of the one of the most frequently um, commented things by customers at my last startup, Laird Insight, was um, we did vulnerability scanning and it came really late to the game because I, I tend to think way too big picture and not the small baby steps. But while I was actively working on like the super cool runtime security stuff with, you know, modified versions of glibc and all this stuff, um, our customers didn't know what vulnerabilities were under container images. So we eventually went back and built a security scanner and they loved that. And we came up with a cool way to show the vulnerabilities. That was the most frequently complimented Good thing question. which we had. Uh, when we got acquired by Qualys, the one thing all my customers said is, is that sunburst still going to be there? Because we really love that. Um, so I get yeah, and I'm totally with you. Now I'm going to go back to the, the Ableton, the push here. And and after thinking about it, um, why don't we have all these bells and, and whistles and touch pads and colors and super cool stuff? And this is all MIDI based. So I was actually thinking about doing a talk where um, I could somehow do a MIDI interface to like a packet sniffer or a packet assembler. <laughs> we'll see if I go somewhere with that. I don't know if I'm that bored. But anyways, um, the point to bring these things back together is the reason you don't see this bad boy in um, enterprise security is because of what you just said, education. Um, mm. And the reason all the UIs look the same um, a is because we have to compete against everyone else, but also because the product has to be something that people can easily and quickly learn. Um, yeah. So if you can somehow, and I mean, the you know you mentioned education. One of the apps I've got open here right now is called Melodics, um, M-E-L-O-D-I-C-S. They are a a company which has started. I mean, talk about mimicking the security industry. They are a company which has started purely to gamify people learning how to use audio equipment. So it'll okay, like that's a new one. <laughs> it'll run me through how to like you know learn how to do like hip hop patterns on the drum pads on the push, but it also supports a bunch of keyboards and stuff. Um, but it's exactly what you're saying, right? We want a lot of this cool, great stuff, maybe like the the advanced mode, um, but we need to have a a basic, simple way that people get on that first page. Um, mm. So that that's where my head is around those things how how can we bring those together how can we you know iot is still just a a, a drop of what it's going to be um cloud is a drop of what it's going to be um machine learning i gotta do my rainbow hands um uh, machine learning um is sort of you haven't called it ai i, mean, I don't use ai <laughs> rainbow hands before ai <laughs> uh, machine learning is my rainbow hands are my jazz hands now um uh, <laughs> the snark pours out of me uh but you know it's um and there's good uses for ml ai all those buzzwords um beside elon singing the russian cosmonaut song um if you guys haven't seen that it's pretty great but uh there's great uses for all these type of things, but we need to make them easy to use. Um, we need people to learn them enthusiastically. Uh, we need folks to figure out how can we take that great technology and then pull it back to the commoner so that, you know, keeping your vulnerabilities or your um, runtime security or your change management or all these type of things as we get more complex and things are less insecure or less secure because humans suck. Um, how can we bring the security back to as simple as changing a light bulb? 
Um, so that's what excites me now. Um, and, and that's sort of, I don't know, my thoughts on a lot of this type okay. of stuff. I think you have a silver lining in the simplifying consistency and what I see the silver lining in, in, in baseline in the number of vulnerability or the way we express vulnerability because mm -hmm. in every conversation that I have, I see the old traditional GLC guys that just think about risk, 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 mm -hmm. and they're very, very much aligned with the infrastructure guys. So patching for them is, is the word. And the application security word, I see that to be completely different, to be a completely different beast for them. And they're trying to unify this word in a way or another. I see them mind-boggling. And I've seen that in a lot of organizations that we work with. I don't know if, if you had the same thing, but I've yeah. seen them going completely nuts and trying to both have my patching and I have my application security. How do I glue them together? And I fundamentally say, don't. They're two different kind of beast and almost, you know what, go into the cloud and forget the infrastructure stuff because the cloud's going to take care of it or the cloud provider hopefully is going to take care of it. Yeah. You know, if you understand the division of responsibility that I hammer a lot in all my cloud talk with the cloud security alliance, but focus on application security. And I like the latest podcast, you said the application is the new endpoint. Yeah, it, it is, right? Um, endpoint security. <laughs> uh. <laughs> application security my comments is what I'm doing here this, this is a well known John is biting his tongue so he doesn't say something um, uh, endpoint security yeah super 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 important I was interviewing with a um, uh, um, a company in the Bay Area about God, about a decade ago for a um, head of cloud security position and one of their interview questions they had for me is um, it was right after it was right after one of the uh, um, attacks was coming out, but they're like, how would you in the cloud protect against this? And I'm like, you have to VPN between your servers because you don't know where that network is or what's going on. You have to encrypt that connection. And they're like, there's no way we can do that. Do you think, can you realize how much complexity that is? And a few months later, it came out that um, at least there's chances that some government organizations were able to sniff some of the network traffic between servers. And I'm like, y you got to do these things. Um so yeah, endpoint first started in the cloud, and now it's coming out to actual endpoint into the the mobile. Um, you're talking about we had uh, Christine on from Ardetto, yeah, talking about um, the um, um, the mobile, mobile applications app is um, that's you know there's so much we do now. Um, I still prefer to be at a keyboard and, and a, a a desktop, uh, but I know folks that um, don't have a anything other than mobile devices now. Um, in like technologists, not, you know, um, the people we yeah, serve. Yeah, same people with an iPod yeah. and, and I try to be on, on iPod only and, and run Python, uh, compile Python on a, on a, on a mobile. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you've got Visual Studio Codes now um, can be run in a browser as well as on an iPad. Um, I last tried that experiment, I think about a year ago, but they, they weren't far enough along. But every few months, like I, I like obviously testing new technology and trying new things and I try to keep myself on top of the game. We'll see how long that lasts, but I'm, I'm trying to always figure out what are the kids doing and what's going on, what's different. Um, I'll still hop on dating sites. I'm not looking to date someone, but I want to see how has that technology changed? What is Tinder doing that's so cool? What about some of the other ones out there, Bumble or something? Um, so yeah, I'll, I was running, um, I'm able to run Mosh on my iPad as well as bring up an IDE. Okay, what can I learn from that? Is that something, can I use it? Can you use it? Is it usable? Could a professional code from it? What are the security risks? What can I learn from this? Can I bring something back into security? Can I share thoughts with people? So I try to do a lot of that type of stuff. Um, but yeah, back I to the point. Endpoint security uh, is important. Um, I'm, 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 and I said on LinkedIn, I'm not fully convinced on her, on, not her, on, on their obfuscation. I, I think there's a lot there, but uh, that's security through obfuscation. Come on, we make we talk about that as a, not a great thing. So. Mm. Um, it's, it's a delay. It's a false sense of security. I, I had the I had the immediate spark of it could give you a false sense of security because your package is obfuscated. So, and it, it's, it has some legs. It has some legs. I, I think maybe better way of saying it is security through whack a mole. And um, and it's, it, <laughs> what you're doing is you're turning table right instead of the the poor security guys being whack-a-mole on vulnerability management, it's you're making the attacker play whack-a-mole. There's a few startups out there doing stuff like um, restarting application containers every five or 10 seconds or virtual machines just so that that endpoint isn't there. And even if you 
or that <laughs> endpoint, even if that uh, 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 API point isn't there, because even if you do compromise, if it's gone a second later, good luck, dude. Um, That's great. But if you not if you're a bank and if you have COBOL, so there yeah. is a whole lot of IoT. There is a whole lot of traditional organization that we still going to have that are not going to be the cool kid that are on the block. So maybe your latest startup is going to be secure because you use the modern thing, but we know attacker choose the least part yeah. of resistance. So yeah. they're going to go and keep on attacking people where they can make it make either money out of people or least part of resistance because they know that they're all dinosaurs. Yeah. You poor bastard. I heard you're doing COBOL. Um, I, I purposely avoided that in, in what, 2000s? <laughs> and TLC. I had COBOL and TLC and mainframe. Wow. <laughs> Touching mainframe. Um, <laughs> You know they're 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 super amazing platforms. Um, I used to really be. I still am in awe of like the the IBM Z series, uh, and their I series. Like all these things are. I mean, again, for folks who want to rabbit hole and it's not security, go and look at the history of like IBM's I, I series and Z series, and how they've been able to upgrade the whole hardware architecture and the applications still run. And this was something which was designed what in the early seventies, mid seventies. It's amazing. Pretty amazing. Um, but it's pretty basic, the stuff that they offer. So what, what I'm always fascinated about mainframe is that the interaction with the hardware is very, very specific and is not millions of things. Yeah. It's just very few things. So your attack surface is really minimal if you want to bring it back. If you look at the cloud, I was making a joke that we could really build a cloud operating system with the API just being, you know, that we almost reach the same level of API and functionality as you have in your operating system as, as functionality. So yeah. you have your authentication system, you have your processes, you have your code that runs somewhere. You could as well create a VDI that is effectively a cloud environment. Yeah, unless, you're, unless, you're, level. Do, unless you're doing something really super high-end like video games or... Probably not even Bitcoin. But even even in video games, you have uh, you have Nvidia that yeah. made a, a whole business out of it, like running you know great computer specialized great computing. And Apple was exactly that. It was like specialized hardware. So nobody's gonna stop them to actually say, you know what, we're gonna run specialized hardware for this. Google is the same. It's like I can run a snip of a finger and no a million nodes to actually run my ML. Yeah. We'll eventually get to a Java stream of write once, run everywhere. Might take another decade. <laughs> Remember that? Maybe. Um, it's uh, always going to be Java. Yeah. Uh, it's just as long as Java goes away before that happens, I'm okay. But um, he's never going to go away. I did so much Java. Says the guy. Says the guy talking about COBOL. Um, but it's never going to go away. Java is so persistent in enterprise. Yeah. But you know exactly. Let Let's get back to your your point again because it, it is interesting um and you know one of the things i'm <clears throat> i'm i'm helping but not as much as i should uh some of the latest uh, cloud security alliance um guidance are working groups and we should talk a bit more about those guys because they're always doing amazing stuff um but one of their working groups right now is about serverless uh security mm. and i'm trying to help out but at the same time i'm trying to do 10 million things but as i think about i'm on the ccak <laughs> I'm, try, I'm trying to standardize the, the auditing and certification of it. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're trying to get out the new certification for certified auditor and trying to standardize everything against the CCM. So trying to really push the uh, Star Alliance and the CCM out in the world and say, now you're a certified auditor because you know how to assess any cloud provider against any kind of regulation, good luck with that. Well, in, it, in, in one of my clients, I had to deal with 64 regulators, yeah. literally every kind of regulation on earth. <laughs> wow. And it's an amazing thing. But no, I think cloud standardization is the next thing, but I, I diverted, sorry. <laughs> no, that, that's, um, I hadn't heard of that one yet. That, that's pretty amazing. If I hope you guys pulled that off. Um, that'll be a tough test. Uh, but the, the point where I was going to is, yeah, I'm, I am the... Um, my interest and my focus is around the new sexy thing, right? Everything we're talking about. You haven't heard me, you know, I, I, I joked about Fortran and COBOL, but they're super important. But when, so when I did Laird Insight, um, I ran my own architecture. I, I went through the, you know, running on Amazon, but started with Docker, then Docker Swarm mode, no, Docker Swarm, then Docker Swarm mode, then 
Um, I went through a few of those startups which aren't around anymore. Uh, well, Rancher's ranch still around, but it's basically as what I try to say is I was running our own architecture, our own infrastructure on top of Amazon so that I could talk about it to my customers so I could understand their pain points and, and deal with all those type of things. Um, I've been quoted before saying my recommendation to a startup out there today, if you don't have to run Kubernetes, dude, don't run that don't. Go to GKE or, or, you know, pick your KE. Um, don't even, don't even. Yeah. I, uh, we actually running a well. We 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 starting uh, we starting running some piece of code, and we actually I made the, the the decision, the executive decision, no microservice for now, no microservice. Okay. Let's run in a monolith. Oh, when it's even 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 no, uh, we're running visualization on uh, React, on basic React, on JSON. So no database. <laughs> when we're gonna when we're gonna eat the rough patch, then we're gonna go on the cool thing. But not yeah, because yeah. there is a cool me. thing. Yeah. Don't do it for the And that's, that's my, my, my problem because I'm an architect by trade and I, I, I try to think, okay, <clears throat> how do I build this thing five years in the future? Yeah. And when you run startup, you say, how do I get this thing tomorrow on the market? Mm-hmm. And running things properly, micros, it's like pretty is not startup. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally <laughs> with you. So where I was going with that, I was going to say, whatever I do next, I'd like to try and use microservices from the point of view of minimizing the risk exposure. Um, but we're going to come back to exactly what you're saying. It's like, do I want to waste all my time in a startup learning how to do microservices? Because right, it, what you see with microservices, like containers and everything else, they sound super cool. Well, excuse me. Um, it's what complicated. You, what you see with serverless is the same as what you saw with containers versus everything else. Yeah, it um, running Docker on your laptop is super simple, right? Um, and the fun is always when you try to do storage and production. Good luck. Uh, but it's the same with with my, with um, serverless, right? It sounds like a cool idea, but you know there's going to be growing pains as you start. So, okay, do you really want to do Scale? something like that, or do you want to just get your startup going? So, yeah, it's um, that can be difficult. I mean, there is there is a time, and I mean, as long as you build a thing consciously, mm-hmm. I think um, with the, the idea of let's get this thing on the market, let's get, let, let's make this thing working like an MVP. Uh, or on an MMP, so a marketable product, and say in a marketable product, we build it nice, we build it with a level of architecture that enable us to scale and not to crumble on, on our own application. But if we need to get this thing up and running, let's just code on a laptop. There is nothing wrong with having a prototype on a laptop. Yeah. It's, the, the problem is how many startups have someone like you or me? Um, you know, when, when Qualys acquired as part of the, the due diligence was for Black Duck to do a, a, a scan of our code, um, they found no significant issues. Um, I'm super proud of that. You know, we had CICD with automated code scanning and all these things we talk about because I want to try and, you know, if I'm the security guy, I should be doing it. But how many companies out there have someone like you around, have an architect or a security person or someone who's, that's their core. I mean, if you go out to these founder dating sites frequently, yeah, there, there are founder dating sites. Um, but if you go out to these places, you'll find an MBA who has an idea who just wants to get, as you were saying, an MVP out, show it to someone and start selling it, get money. Well, first start selling to customers, then start selling it to VCs, then start selling to more customers. Yeah. And if they're lucky, sell it to a public market. But um, nowhere in there did okay, I say... <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Or ninety percent of the time, get absorbed yeah. by the part the, yeah. the person that partnered up or the friends, but very, <laughs> in that big company. And it's it's changing now compared to where it used to be. But very seldom is security in that 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 um, thought process. I am starting to see over the last five years, VCs thinking about security before they'll invest. Not in an initial round, maybe in like a, a probably an A, B, or C round. Um, so they're thinking about Thank it more. God. Customers finally, customers are thinking about it more. Um, definitely right. Um, but yeah, it it's so one of the things I'd love to do if I could figure out one of the thoughts in my head, if I could figure out some sort of we we're talking, I was talking about like, you know, templates is a joke, but if I could figure out like a template for a startup that has security built into it, that's easy to use, um, has a great UI, sort of like maybe like a secure version of Wix for applic- for startups. I don't know. Um, like a skeleton. Like a, a startup skeleton in terms of infrastructure, yeah. crowd service. I think uh, which one was it? Uh, HashiCorp uh, released the whole uh, stream of Terraformation template uh, to actually start from from zero to hero on on cloud. So you mm. just build block with Terraformation template, and you kind of reach 
but it's, it's, it's so different because any organization can be different. Any, any kind of piece of code. So it's, Unless you just say, well, I'm going to spin up a treaty with, you know, access control list and a basic level of security on the old OS and a WAF. And that's pretty much your one-on-one template of a treaty is. Mm-hmm. But anything more complicated than that is like it requires pragmatism. And you can't teach pragmatism and you can't teach a vision. It's, you grow in it. That's why you need to hire people that have that experience that can make that call quickly. Yeah. And it's, and I think, you know, it's, we're, we're just talking about risk management. We're not talking about privacy. Um, <laughs> yeah, sorry. Talking so, about the rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, now we've got governments that are starting to push for, you know, attempting to either have broken encryption in place or all these different type of things. So as your startup, you now have to worry, worry about risk management for the bat, the, 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 um, uh, what would be a nice phrase? The criminals that are trying to come at you, the those who do not abide by laws. But you're also having to think about, okay, not just if they steal your data, but what if the government comes at you and they want to be able to get your data? So yeah, okay, how do you do that in a public cloud environment, right? So um, some of the cloud providers, this is why I'm thinking about these trusted compute things. Um, some of the cloud providers have released their trusted compute offerings. Some of the other ones are actively working on it. Um, but then in IoT, how do you do trusted compute in IoT if that's like, it's one thing if it's just turning a light on or off. It's another thing if it's a heart monitor. Um, so there's the, yeah. How do, how do you? I think it's a rabbit hole. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's another rabbit hole because ultimately they're going to strong them. I mean, if you see what happened with Apple, you, they're going to find ways to force either people or organization through legal meaning to release data. It's just legislation like in Europe, they're top-notch and, and they're trying to be as careful as they are. And I, and I was discussing with Joe Gray in one of the previous episodes that uh, is still going to clear. <laughs> but um, where was I going? On how easy it is to do OSINT in US versus Europe? Because we have two crews. I'm, I'm friends with two crews that said in Europe is really, really tough because of the regulation around every kind of single thing. In US is because of capitalism. And I'm not against capitalists, but um, the use of data is really capitalized in US. So it's access to it is really easy. And everybody publish it. It's getting a little bit better. As as I said, I'll I'll avoid the politics of that. But at the same time, I do consider myself a globalist. I don't think of that as a bad phrase. So if I'm developing something in the morning, you know, think about like, well, let's go back a step. Think about CCM. Um, If you want to, you know, the easiest way to meet regulations as a company is to find the most stringent thing on there and make sure you meet that. Well, the easiest way is to actually be talk secure in the first place and not look <laughs> for rubber stamps. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, bars are a wonderful thing. Um, but yeah, it's if I'm going to do a startup, I'm going to look at, you know, GDPR or I'm going to look at, you know, probably not California. regulations in the US. Um, in <clears throat> California privacy law is coming close to GDPR, yeah. so that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, um, that's there. New York has a pretty good one, um, but yeah, it, it. I think part of it is if you at least have these thoughts and questions and think about this before you do. It doesn't have to be a startup, right? It could be a new project inside a large company. Mm. Um, and even back to our mentoring thing for folks who have been working on Fortran for the last thirty years of their life. Um, how would you think about implementing something new in there, that system that, you know, what was a closed system? Um, remember Z-Series for a while had a, um, you could plug a PC into it, or excuse me, x86 system into it and have like Java running on there too, Tomcat. Um, but what was a closed system might suddenly get hooked up to the internet. So as you write that stuff, think about, okay, if someone comes along here and and, and type something in lowercase instead of uppercase or something different, how would my code react? Um, so I think we can all learn and grow and change and, and, and you know, it, it's, it's not just those of us doing the, the sexy, cool stuff in Silicon Valley or in Redmond or Seattle or, or London or where have you. It's it, this, a lot of folks can get into this. Yeah. We are reaching the top of the hour, actually, <laughs> saying that we should have gone 40 minutes, but it never happened. That's okay. Um, <laughs> I, I love the conversation, so I just keep on going. It's yeah, just, we went and, from and a rabbit hole to a rabbit hole to a rabbit hole. <laughs> what I really want to try with these is I want to make them interesting for, for your listeners, right? I, I want um, 
the reason I like listening to podcasts myself, like um, I won't say names because I'm not trying to push shows here, but uh, when I listen to some shows, I'm either listening as a release or I'm listening for someone to spark ideas for me to think about. So hopefully we've sparked ideas for folks um, and given them something that they can chew on. Yeah, I hope so. But uh, aside from that, that note valid for the positive note. Just give us a positive note for Cyber. I've given you so many positive notes today. <laughs> um, let's see. You should one, have kept one for the ending. <laughs> one more positive note. Man, I knew this was going to be tough. Uh, you know, things things are getting better. And what I'll do is I'll go in a different direction completely, and I'll talk about diversity since this this week. Um, and I hope everyone's okay with that. Uh, I, I think, you know, in the U.S., we're – we're constantly under struggle for diversity, either people of different nationalities, different religions, different colors, different races, different sexes, um, or sexual identification, I should say. Um, I go out of my way to try and um, hire and mentor people of different backgrounds of my own. Um, but as we bring those people in, the the positive message I want to leave with people is, is um, it's not something to be scared of. Um, if someone is beside you gay working for the first time or um, someone who has a different headdress on or different hair or whatever else. Um, we can learn from those people. They've got a different background. Um, they can make us better. They can mentor us. Um, so, so that's sort of a positive message I want to leave you with, right? You know, we all look at security in a different way. What is security in um, uh, a town in India that has running water for a first time in the last five years, but still has dirt roads? Versus what is security for, you know, like I said, someone in Silicon Valley. Um, so we can all learn from each other. And I think that's the positive that I want to leave folks with of, you know, um, learn and grow and, and change and appreciate everyone around us. Wow, that's deep. I think that's the deepest uh, cybersecurity, well, not cybersecurity, but the deepest one that I, I got till now. So it's, thank you, John. It's, it's been on my mind this week. But yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm very happy to be here and um, hope I get a chance to come back again sometime. Absolutely, it's been a pleasure and we have so many other rabbit holes. IoT, we need to explore it more because I, I love that that kind of thing and I want to get lost in it. Definitely. But thank you very much for coming and thank you everybody for listening to the Cybersecurity Cloud Podcast and i see you next. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, consider leaving us a review or sponsoring us on Patreon. It helps us bring on amazing guests and keep the podcast alive and free. Consider supporting us at www.patreon.com forward slash CSCP and watch other episodes at www.cybercloudpodcast.com.